I'm Nicola Dean and this is Safeguarding Matters with the Ancraft Trust. Hello, I'm here today with Sarah Goff, Safeguarding Disabled Young People Manager. We're here to talk about a project very close to Sarah's heart. Hi Sarah. Morning Nicola. Can you tell us about this project that you've been doing? What is it? What's it called? How did you go about it? It's funny, in the end we called it We Matter Too because maybe one of the things that felt so important was trying to find out the experiences of a group of young people who maybe don't get heard that much. The project was actually funded by the Lloyds Bank Foundation as part of a whole series of pieces of work that they funded around domestic violence. And um, from the Ancraft Trust, we asked for some funding because we wanted to look at the experiences of young disabled people. Um, we'd picked up from other pieces of work around the country, really important, really good pieces of work from people like Safe Lives and Women's Aid. We'd picked up that teenagers, young adults and disabled young people, disabled adults generally, were all less likely to be picked up and be reached by domestic abuse services. Mm -hmm. But we know from talking to young people and those with learning disabilities, those with physical disabilities, those who are deaf, those who um, have a range of impairments, like all young people, want relationships, want to be safe. But what was very clear from the research was that this group of young people face much higher risks but are less well reached by services. So we wanted to understand more about that because at the Ancraft Trust, our role is practice development. So we don't just do research that goes on a shelf, we do research that helps inform practice. And we wanted to listen to the voices of some young people. And we also wanted to listen to the voices of some practitioners about what they thought the problems were so that we could try and bring together some ways of working to move forward with that. So were people talking about their experiences of um, domestic abuse on themselves, or was it about that they've seen? Um, so some of the young people might have seen things? Yeah, so the young people that we were talking to were young people who had experienced some forms of harm, mm -hmm. and we had to go through the usual uh, consents and ethics processes. And we were very mindful to only try to talk to young people who had already been in receipt of help and were safe enough. Uh, so we talked to young people in that way. And we talked to practitioners from a whole range of organisations across the country. We wanted to try and target those practitioners whose remit it would be to reach the young people. So we tried to talk to police, we tried to talk to social workers for children and for adults and for transitions. And we also tried to talk to uh, domestic abuse workers and workers who work in domestic violence projects and helplines and in some of the national, local and regional bodies. Great. Um, so what did people tell you? What were the young people saying? I think Really what young people were saying was that they absolutely want to have relationships but they also want to be supported to, to find out a lot more about what healthy relationships are. Not just from a sexuality point of view but also from a point of view of um, 
physical and emotional safety within a relationship. It's really clear from talking to young people that for some of them, um, don't fully understand the range of forms of controlling and coercive behaviour. Disabled young people can experience far more abuse generally throughout their lives. And sometimes it might be harder to distinguish um, pressure and power. Um, and for some of the young people that we were talking to, um, they had experienced really harmful things and it had taken a long time for them to build up any trust. It had also taken a really long time for anyone to ask them if they were okay and what they needed. So is this the relationships that they might be in themselves? Or is this the relationships that they might witness in their no, family relationships? No, in some cases this was about personal intimate relationships and in other cases this was children growing up, living with, witnessing domestic abuse, um, but then going on in their own adult lives to try and find relationships that were safe but struggling. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and what, what did you find out from the practitioners who were supporting the disabled young people? It's really interesting. What we found was an in, enormous reservoir of goodwill and energy and commitment, but both in the social care and health side and in the do domestic abuse side, we found real gaps in training to develop the knowledge and confidence to work well with these young people. So the domestic abuse workers often, and we know from the, the catalogue of stories about the cuts and real difficulties in providing services. We know that domestic abuse is a big issue across the whole country. But many workers haven't had specific training in understanding disability, learning disability, and many services haven't reflected actively on how they reach out, what their facing outwards kind of reaches to the community. Do they actively work in ways that would reach out to different communities. So some services need to do a lot more work on training, some need to do a lot more work on, on how they um, interface with the community. So can you tell us about the project um, and who you partnered up with to do it? Yeah, so um, the colleague that we were working with on this was Dr Anita Franklin and Anita's done a lot of work around the voice of young people in services uh, for them. Um, she's worked on deaf and disabled children talking about child abuse and she's worked on projects with the RIP stars looking at the voice of disabled young people in education and healthcare planning and she worked with us on, on a European project looking at the voices of children placed away from home. And Anita's role um, has been really invaluable in helping, you know, develop some of the thinking behind the project and producing the report. Such an interesting topic, isn't it? To so many different levels to the work. Um, what were some of the key findings um, and what are some of the implications for practice? What difference is it going to make? I, I think that's a really good question. And, and it's, it's about thinking not just nationally in terms of law and policy and right now obviously the domestic abuse bill is in discussion again in parliament it's really important that there's better recognition for disabled people as victims generally um, and survivors of domestic abuse absolutely um, secondly we need safeguarding boards to coordinate 
um, connections and multi-agency practice between and across sectors. So between adults and children, between domestic abuse and, and statutory services to make those links. And we need frontline practitioners to have had training to understand domestic violence if they're from the social care and health sector. And we know that there's plenty of adult and children social care workers and um, workers in, in social care settings like um, daycare and so on who haven't had rigorous training in domestic abuse. So wouldn't necessarily be picking up behaviours as signs of something that they should be asking about and doing something about. And without training, workers don't feel skilled and confident to ask awkward questions. We need them to. <laughs> Young people need their workers to be switched on and trained that it's okay to ask. Um, we need domestic abuse sector workers to have much more training in disability and think about the different and additional risks that disabled people might face the additional forms of abuse, the additional forms that harm might take, but also the additional reasons why those young people may not figure in their, in their stats. One of the surprising things that we found was that a lot of services don't actually know how many disabled young people they've reached. And that's a bit about the way people keep data and record. So you've been talking about so many different interesting things, Sarah. Um, as a practitioner, I'm always wanting to know, well, what difference will it make to me? What can I do? How can I go about changing people's lives or making a difference? I think one of the most important messages that came out of the young people is that they want, they want workers to notice and ask. Mm. And um, so workers need to be confident in how to ask about relationships and life at home. Um, I think we need to be aware of some of the things that make it really hard for young people. Um, some of the things for some of the young women who are parents, for example, who maybe have learning needs, learning disabilities, but very frightened to ask for help for fear of losing their children. And we maybe need to really understand that about the importance of much earlier help for those young women and really working with them on relationship safety as well as their understanding of the needs of the child. Um, I think we were very clear from a lot of the services we spoke to that young disabled men were, were invisible. We know they face higher risks of being survivors of domestic abuse, higher risks of harm. Um, so I think we need to be looking more to see about how we reach those young, those young people. Um, I think it was clear from talking to practitioners that there were real gaps in um, services that are therapeutic. So, mm. for example, a couple of agencies were very specific that they really struggled to find therapeutic help where the therapy workers could work with people with learning needs. And that was making it very difficult for recovery for some of the young people. So I think it's fair to say this is early days really for research into the effects of domestic abuse on disabled young people. Where next? I think it would be really important that we do more to find out more about young people's own views and experiences um, and, and that there's a, a much bigger uh, move towards working with young disabled people to help service design and planning. What do they think would work for them? How can they be more involved in co-production of services? I think the, the, the really clear messages was with the need for social care and health workers across the sector 
in in care homes, in day settings, in all aspects of children's and adults to have good training in domestic abuse so that they know where to go and they know where to go locally. We were really surprised when we delivered the uh, pilot training for the course that was part of the project to develop a multi-agency training programme. We were really um, touched and surprised at the, um, the, the good the good co-working that came out of bringing workers from two sectors together for a whole day and how much they were able to feed off each other and make links that they hadn't made before and discover things about services that they hadn't knew existed. That also worried us. It, it highlighted how little some of the workers understood about domestic abuse services and systems for addressing domestic abuse, MARAP processes and so on. That was a really interesting revelation. On the other hand, with the... Um, workers from services from domestic abuse, it was interested, interesting to see the range of degrees to which those workers knew about or had connections to children's and adults services locally. And there were pockets of amazing good practice, but it was patchy. And what we were really aware of was that locally um, links need to be grown between children's and adult services and domestic abuse services to so that so that if workers are concerned about a young person, they can pick up the phone and they can have discussions and they can consult so that we can work harder to get the right services for young people who need them. We're very aware that um, these young people are not being picked up um, and that they are invisible in services. So the, the main message really is what can we do to make the needs of these young people more visible and their voices more heard. Mm -hmm. So. The um, the document you've written, where is it going to be available? How are you spreading the word, really? So the report, which will be called We Matter Too, uh, will be released um, at the end of November during Safeguarding Adults Week. Um, and that will be released, I think it's on the 20th of November. Okay, because you've already had a launch. You had a really successful parliamentary launch, didn't you? Um, yeah. Uh, on the 2nd of July, Sarah Champion um, hosted a launch for us as an MP um, and she and Jess Phillips both um, really demonstrated what commitment there is amongst some of those uh, MPs trying to ensure that our legislative framework is robust. That was really powerful and important to have that uh, launch. And secondly, um, we had speakers from other organisations, deaf and disabled children and adults organisations. Uh, so that was a, a very important day for us. What we're hoping is to build on that and um, develop better links and start to roll out some of the training if, if organisations are interested in contacting us about that. That's what I was going to ask. So they'd contact you and say, I'm interested in some training and they can yeah. commission it, yeah. spoke for their organisation. Yes, that's right. Yeah, through the Ancraft Trust. Excellent. Thanks very much, Sarah. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you want to know more about our work, check out our website, ancrafttrust.org and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ancraft Trust. <laughs>